Hi, I'm Guy Powell, and welcome to the next episode of the Backstory on the Shroud of Turin. If you haven't already done so, please visit GuyPowell.com and sign up for more episodes. I am the author of the new book, newly released book, The Only Witness, A History of the Shroud of Turin. It's a historical fiction tracing a possible history of the Shroud over the last two millennia. Today, we're speaking with Lisa Rowan of Rowan Consulting. So let me tell you a little bit about Lisa. Lisa is the principal of Rowan Consulting. She has over 25 years of successful fundraising, sales and marketing experience. Her clients have included prominent nonprofits such as Museum of the Bible, the Cross Catholic Outreach, Faith and Freedom Coalition, Answers in Genesis, and numerous other organizations that serve causes close to her heart. She is a founding and current advisory board member for the Museum of the Bible's Catholic Advisory Board and also serves on the advisory boards for the National Shroud of Turin exhibit and curating for him. Lisa received their BA in communications and public address from the University of Wisconsin. Throughout her career, Lisa has been recognized by her customers and peers as someone who has high expectations, a drive for excellence, and a commitment to achieving outstanding results. Lisa, welcome. Thank you, Guy. It's wonderful to be here. I appreciate you having me. Oh, absolutely. Look forward to uh, your 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 comments and uh, and other on the uh, on the Shroud of Turin. But first, let's start with. Uh, so, what is your backstory on the Shroud of Turin? Well, I um I was just been over in the most recent years that I became involved with the Shroud of Turin, and it was because of my involvement um, with one of my clients, the Museum of the Bible. And um, shortly after the museum opened in 2017, uh, the CEO at the time had approached me and, and asked what I thought about the Shroud of Turin and whether that would be a good exhibit to have there. So again, the Shroud doesn't travel anywhere, but it would be an exhibit and kind of an immersive experience about the sh of Shroud. And so that's kind of where it all started. And then it, it took a number of years to get it off the ground. Um, but we did have a wonderful exhibit there in uh, 2022. It was there from February until July, only five months, but it was the most popular exhibit that they've had to date um, for their short-term exhibits. And, and that's kind of how it started. So I had grown up um, and known about, you know, heard about the Shroud of Turin, but I didn't really um, know as much as I do now. Because thankfully, through that exhibit and through the different events that we had um, over the years prior to the exhibit opening, during the opening, and then once it closed too, we had another. Um, that's where I kind of really, you know, my passion for it even grew more because it's just a fascinating um artifact that the more you know, the more you want to know. Um, I think you know that as well, just from your history and uh, love of history. So um, that's how I, that's kind of how I got involved with the Strata Turin. Yeah, fantastic. And you're so right. The, uh, the exhibit that was at the Museum of the Bible was just uh, awesome. And the, the launch and everything was just uh, perfect. So uh, really uh, great job in, in being involved in that. And, uh, and then actually being able to bring the shroud a replica of the shroud, but also everything else that was there uh, to the museum so that uh, more people can really learn about the shroud and, and uh, try and understand some of the mysteries about it. Yeah, um, so I lost you a little bit there in the beginning, guys, so I, I'm not sure if you asked a question. Or, oh, sorry. Um, uh, 
uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll end up cutting this out a little bit. Yes, you kind of blocked, you kind of uh, um, uh, froze up there a little bit. I'm not sure if it was on my side or your side, but uh, if it gets, if it happens again in a big way, then we'll uh, we'll have to uh, figure something else out here. So okay. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Lisa, yes, the uh, the the exhibit of the shroud, uh, which had a replica, a really absolutely gorgeous replica of the shroud uh, at the Museum of the Bible, was one of the one of the highlights of of uh, seeing that and being at the uh, being there at the Shroud of Turin. I was at the launch, and I think I was one at one other event. And you guys did a great job in in bringing that uh, that whole exhibit together, and some of the other things that you had there as well. So, um, so what was it like to uh, be launching something that's as valuable and as uh, studied and, and as mysterious as the Shroud of Turin? Yeah, you know, it was an incredible couple of years because it really did take a few years to get it going and get, you know, just to get the funding for it. And then also COVID came into place. So the exhibit was originally supposed to open in 2021 and we opened it in 2022. Honestly, I think that was a blessing um, because it gave the curatorial staff even more time to do more with the exhibit. So I think that actually ended up being a great thing that happened, even though it was a disappointment at the time that we were going to have to delay it further um, because it, you know, it did take a while to get it set up. But um, yeah, like you said, the replica, we had that beautiful linen replica from the Shroud of Turin Center. And um, it really is, it's beautiful. And one of my favorite things in there was, and I know you were at the launch, um, they had a bench right in front of it. And so I think, you know, most people are never going to get the chance to go to the, to see the shroud up close. And this is really an opportunity to see what the shroud looks like up close and spend time with it. And I remember, actually, I have several memories of going in there and watching people just sitting on the bench, reflecting quietly. And it's, it's just so powerful and beautiful. And, um, you know, having that in, in your view, you really see how Jesus suffered for us. And I think, that replica just is a beautiful, you know, it's just, even though we can't be, be in Italy and see the, 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 the actual shroud, it's just a great um, kind of second experience. So, so that was, I, I think that was how we also had that um, there was a table that was, uh, you know, the size of the shroud and it had different touch points on it. So um, you could see, you, and I love watching people play with this because wherever you touched it, it would, it would say, you would hear scriptures saying um, exactly where it talks about, that um, Christ's passion happening. So, or, or a marking like a fire marking or something like that. So I thought that was another like really um, touching, great way to really show, um, you know, what, what, what the shroud is about and what it actually says. It tells a story. Um, so yeah. those are, those are two of the things. There's many things in that exhibit Um Another thing, which I thought, and I don't know if you got a chance to do this, but at the very end, people could put write little notes and say what that exhibit or what they learned about the exhibit that they didn't know before. So I would love to go in there and just read different things about what people said from all different ages, even different languages. Um, I believe the museum captured all that. Um, I haven't seen the results of all of it, but I would go in there whenever I was at the museum just to kind of read that because it was always fascinating to me. Um, yeah, it it surely was. And uh, so, and then it, another. I mean, just the the shroud again. The more you know about it, the more fascinated you become. So, Lisa, you were talking about the writings that people uh, submitted. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I just again, it's it just really showed a variety of of 
people's emotions and what they learned. Uh, a lot of it was just, uh, you know, I, actually, quite honestly, um, there's a lot of hope in it. I think people got a lot of hope from from the shroud um, or sh the shroud exhibit, I should say. So I can't recall offhand different ones, but even I would purposely go in there to read those because it gave something to me to show, knowing that people had all these great feelings. Um, you know, again, there are some people, you know, there's people that also posted negative things, but there's a, the majority of them were very positive. And again, they took away different parts. So maybe it was that they learned something that, that they didn't know. But a lot of it was just thanking the museum, too, for having this exhibit and sharing more about the, the Shroud of Turin, because it really is amazing. And um, one thing I was going to say is uh, we had these different events, which is different for we have never really done this at the museum before. We had these major events prior to an opening of an exhibit. It was because of the Shroud of Turin is just such a huge interest. So we were able to have these different events with these renowned speakers. And after every event, we would have a Q&A where people could write down questions and then we'd ask different questions. And I remember the very first one we had, and maybe you were at this one, it was in the World Stage Theater, it was like almost 500 people, it was fully booked. And we gave people like 10 minutes to um, write down questions and, and use, go to the restroom too. And we came back and we answered some of the questions. We didn't have a lot of time, but anyways, we ended up, I, I compiled all those questions. And just to show you like the depth of them, there's 100 unique questions asked, mm. 100. That's a lot of questions in a short amount of time, but it just shows you we had these amazing speakers talking about different aspects of the shroud and the questions that came out of that. Um, most of, a lot of them had to do with the actual image itself. Um, there's a lot on test, you know, testing too. Um, but just on the history on people's faith, on the Catholic church's position, I mean, there's just a ton. And um, again, all fascinating, all interesting. You learn something um, just from the questions and having the questions answered. So, yeah, absolutely. And and I think that goes with the, uh, you know, that some of the statements that there's that the shroud is not only the most studied relic, it's the most important relic, but it's also the most mysterious relic. And it has the greatest mysteries uh, associated with it. And it's not just about whether the image and how that image was made on there but it's it's about the whole the whole thing that's related to it you have the blood stains that you know directly reflect what's in the gospels you have then uh you know what potentially happened afterward what happened to it it was in the tomb mm -hmm. if it was in the tomb then how did it get to from the tomb to where it is today and uh and and mm -hmm. so there's so much that uh you know there's it just brings up so many questions and uh you know one one thing too i'm not sure and i don't know if you, if you've got any thoughts on it but as i've gotten involved with studying the shroud uh i found that uh, as you delve into it more it just opens up even more and more and more and more questions it does and um again i think it for me anyways again i think everybody needs to come to their own conclusion but what I found as I was listening to all these different speakers um, throughout, you know, the months, years leading up to the exhibit um, was the more I learned, the more I kind of thought to myself, how could it be anything but, you know, the burial cloth of Jesus? Because it's everything, you can't explain it. Even in this century, we can't explain how the image got there. And I remember being in a conversation with a small group of people and... Um, a person at the time was saying how they 
they recently read an article and it said that they were able to recreate the image on a cloth because they you know scientists have been trying to do that and i couldn't answer i had i wasn't familiar with that research i wasn't and i couldn't answer and i didn't know so i got out of you know later on that night when i got out of that conversation i went to one of um the experts that i trusted who's who actually was an atheist and ended up um studying this and and um you know is a believer now but he I asked him because he knows everything shroud and he said, yeah, actually they've been trying to do that, but there's like 30, 30 some factors that have to happen in order and they haven't been able to do it. So I was like, okay, well that makes sense. But you know, again, you have to really get information from all different sources. It's just like any topic, you know, that we have to know. You don't just take anything at face value. You want to hear from different people and different. Um, and that's kind of what we had at the museum. It wasn't ever about, convincing people it was really just about um giving people opportunity to explain the history and and just different you know different pieces of it everybody can make their own conclusion of what they think it is or isn't um but anyways that's that's one of the things i think that to me um one of the most interesting things is how and i don't know that really a lot of people under know this is how the actual image is only on the top one to two microfibers of, of the cloth. And to put that in perspective, Russ Burrell, who's one of the, the speakers and he's just brilliant. I know you know him too. He explained that there's 200 microfibers in a piece of thread or whatever. So that kind of gives you a, a visual of just how incredible it is that it can be there and, and provide that detail. And we didn't even know like the, um, you know, the, the, um, positive image was there until that was like the 1800s, 18 something, 1898. So yep. even that that came out, you know, not until photography was around. Um, that it's just again, we're saying it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, really. And yeah, can you imagine? I mean, one of the things too, and I remember sitting there in front of the the 14 and a half foot image of the, of the replica. And uh, I remember just contemplating and you look at each one of the blood stains and, and you can see then, you know, what's in the Gospels. But uh, then also, you know, how calming that was. But also then to your point about, you know, what you mentioned before about what that means in terms of hope for the future and hope for yourselves, because, you know, here he is. Here is this image of uh, what is most likely the uh, you know, the picture, the image that uh, that took place right during the resurrection. And then, you know, that picture, as you said, is only on those outer little layers and then trying to reproduce how that was made so far has been incredibly difficult. And I don't think anybody's really figured out how to do it, maybe maybe in a little square inch, but not, you know, across the whole, you know, the whole length of the, the, the cloth. And to make a perfect body image. Yeah. Like, it, it's just, I, it's, it's, you know, there's a reason why, um, it hasn't been done. And I believe that's because God doesn't want it to be, you know, you know, he asks us for our faith and faith doesn't include proof. Um, however, he does leave behind miraculous things. I put the shroud right with um, the Eucharistic miracles. There's a number of things that you can't explain. A whole miracle is the fact that you can't explain it by natural, you know, it, it has divine intervention somehow because it can't be explained by the natural scientific laws. So and that's what I put this in. We, we we can't explain it. I don't think we're ever going to be able to explain it. We can do more testing. I would love to see more testing, right? But um, I still don't think we're going to be able to explain it. And there's 
you know, probably reason for that. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm an engineer uh, in my early life. And, and at some point you go, yes, we will be able to do it. But it's hard to believe that today in 2023, after 2000 years, and especially the last 50 years of intensely studying the shroud, that we still haven't really figured out how it was done. Uh, so you might, I, it, there's a good chance you might be right. We will never uh, do it. And, and it is one of God's, uh, God's little teasers, maybe, to tease us to want to learn more. And then while learning more about, you know, what happened, that he is, uh, you know, the, the all-powerful, the almighty, and, and he can mm -hmm. make pictures at will with, uh, you know, just through whatever mechanism it was. Mm -hmm. So uh, absolutely. Um, let's change the topic a little bit. One thing I've noticed as I've uh, studied the shroud, and I'm just curious uh, as how you see that, is uh, is there a difference between how the uh, the Catholic faith perceives the shroud and the Protestant or evangelical or potentially even the Eastern uh, uh, Christian religions? Do you see a difference in, in how those uh, different groups of Christians view the shroud? Yeah, I don't know if I... That's a great question. I don't know if it's necessarily a difference. I think I've seen a lot of people from a lot of different faith traditions uh, want to learn about the shroud and come to different conclusions. Um, but I think if you, so I, so I don't, yeah, I think, you know, people approach it differently, but if you really open it up and listen to it um, and, and hear what it tells you or hear what other people, really the people who have really studied it for years and what are their conclusions, um, I think, you know, you, you'll walk away with it with a conclusion. Um, so I don't know that there's a difference. I think different faith traditions maybe like kind of start off with a premise, um, so, you know, like, you know. I don't want to pigeonhole anything or whatever, but there are certain faith traditions like that, you know, maybe are less likely to be because of X, Y, and Z or, um, but again, I think, you know, there's plenty, the Catholic church owns it. Um, so maybe Catholics might be more familiar with it. That doesn't mean they necessarily believe in it because they probably don't know enough about it. So I think the more you learn about it, regardless of whatever your religion is, you know, you'll either, continue to seek more or you'll make an opinion and not or whatever it is. But um, so I don't know if I really answered your question. I don't know that. I think you might start off with a different premise depending on that. But but if you study it, you know, mm. who knows where you end up. There's millions yeah. of people that believe that the shroud is the burial cloth of Jesus. And I think there's a reason for that. Um, yeah. You know, everybody I has different reasons, but there's literally millions. Yeah, I and I think it's uh, maybe tens, maybe even hundreds of millions that believe that it uh, it it is the authentic uh, burial cloth of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one thing too, and and one thing I, that I I see it with my own faith is that um, uh, you know Jesus said to Thomas uh, at something on the order of, and I never get the first part of the quote right, but blessed are you that saw. Uh, but blessed are those that have not seen and yet believe. And that that mm -hmm. piece at the end, blessed are those that have not seen and yet believe. And so, you know, the, he was able to see Christ, stick his fingers in the wound and see the wounds on his hands and things like that. And yet, you know, we we will not be able to experience that or do that. And yet there's so many of us 
that uh, that do have faith and uh, have not seen and yet believe. And um, and the shroud, you know, so whether we whether the shroud is true or not, authentic or not, or proven to be a forgery or not, um, you know, I don't think that's going to affect the faith of uh, of anybody uh, because it's blessed are those that have not seen and yet believe. So. Right, right, right. Absolutely. I mean, I think if anything, it just strengthens my faith. Um, learning more about the shroud, but it's it didn't start my faith. But for some people, it actually starts it. And I know people who I've talked to with that, and that's wonderful that that can happen. Um, you know, God works in all sorts of ways, and I think He leaves behind these these little things for us, and we can do what we can with them. But um, you know, always keep your eyes open and always try and learn. I mean that's one of God's gifts is like our, our, our capacity to learn. And I think there's like so many amazing things like this. The shroud is probably the biggest and largest, um, whatever you want to call this, um, mystery that God is, yeah. Mystery yeah. that God has given us. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. So, uh, I am a, a big fan of a uh, museum of the Bible. Uh, mm -hmm. I work there with them as a consultant for a couple of years and, it is an absolute stellar uh, organization and a stellar exhibition of th all things Bible. And then, like as we've been discussing, they had the uh, the Shroud of Turin exhibit there. Uh, so, tell us what else is going on there. What other uh, really cool exhibits are coming up? Well, they have lots of things always going on at all times. So, um, one of the most recent things they have is a scripture and um, science exhibit, which is actually pretty cool. And um, that started in January. It's going to be there for a full year. It's in the basement level. It actually takes up the whole basement level. Um, and the education department has worked really hard on that and come up with all these amazing programs um, for specifically educators and, and, and schools to go and experience. Um, and you can go on the website, um, museumofthebible.org to get all that information. But they really have done an excellent job with that exhibit and um, lots of different programming around that, especially for schools and everything to, to really take advantage of that exhibit when it's there. I'm hoping that might be one that maybe could stay longer too. Um, and then we have an exhibit in the Vatican Gallery. So they have a long-term um, exhibit with the Vatican um, and they have an exhibit in there that just opened that's only going to be through September but it's on the um, it's called Journey of Faith the Seven um, Pilgrim Churches of Rome and you can learn they have beautiful prints in there from the Vatican La Library and you can learn about those churches um, I I haven't been to those churches yet I'm I'm hoping when I go to Rome maybe I can hit at least <laughs> a few of those but um, you know again there's some amazing history in there and, and it's just nice they have a film too that um, does a brief, it's like a five or 10 minute film that does a brief explanation. So that's that's right on the first floor. Um, and then they also have, um, there's another, um, they have actually, you know, they have this world stage production and uh, starting in June, I believe, June through August, um, I have to look at the exact dates, but they have um, a production in there. It's a Broadway production of C.S. Lewis, Lewis's The Horse and His Boy. Now this was came in January. It was there January through April, and they're coming it back due to popular demand. But that has um, that's amazing because it has these big puppeteers. Uh, did you see that when it was there? Or did you no? I did want to see it. You know, one of the things that uh, 
that upsets me as I'm based here in Atlanta and I can't get up there to see all the exhibits. So, uh, but uh, well, yeah, tell us about it. Well, so, so what's, this is like a Broadway production, right? But it has these puppeteers and what I mean by puppeteers, it's not like a little marionette. They're actual people inside the puppets or inside. And so they're life-size and they look and act real. Like the lion and the horse are, they're just, it's kind of, I remember the first time they came into a room that I was in, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's an amazing production. Like I said, it's coming back um, due to popular demand. It's going to be here for a short time. But if anybody in the D.C. area, any of your listeners, if they get a chance, I would highly recommend that. Um, they have two showings a day. I think it's, you know, you can go get all that information. But, yeah. but that's exciting. Um, but they have things going on all the time, especially, you know, especially during um, holidays. There's always special things going on, even if it's just bringing in different singers or just different events. Um, but the the website, museumofthebible.org, always says the current exhibits and, and visiting exhibits and different events. Um, there's a lot of times speaker events going on, so you just never know what you're going to get when you go there. You, so highly recommend checking it out. Um, Absolutely. So yeah. is um uh is is the um uh, what was it the boy and his horse, the horse and his boy, the horse and his Lewis. boy, yeah. C.S. Lewis, mm -hmm. who I love, uh, he's got mm -hmm. uh, some amazing writings, and uh, is that one uh, by any chance available on video online uh, that you can sign up for? No, not that I'm aware of. Um, no, it's it's a live performance. It's actually okay. Yeah, so at least for now anyways it, i don't believe that's available um a lot of their programs they do offer online um but not because at this theater production um that's not available yeah um actually so for our not to switch it back to the shroud but just to mention some of the events that we have if they go to the museum of the bible uh youtube channel there are um you can get those you can see those speakers speak and hear about that if you're interested in more about the shroud yeah, fantastic. So uh, museumofthebible.org, museumofthebible.org. And, uh, and really, uh, truly, I mean, you're, you're still working there. And, uh, and uh, mm -hmm. I was there uh, helping them for a handful of years. And really, what a great, uh, what a great venue, and so, certainly something that should be on everybody's uh, bucket list. So, uh, and it's actually yeah. interesting, you know, the, the exhibit that you said was in the basement, it was something in science. Uh, religion and science is that what it was scripture and, si scripture and science yeah scripture and science uh that kind of fits in with the shroud because uh you know you think mm -hmm. about all of the science going into studying the shroud and understanding what's there and you know and even pope paul uh i, I know it's pope john paul that said um you know the the shroud is a is a mirror of the gospels and uh mm -hmm. so in that respect it's kind of like if you're studying the shroud then it's uh, scripture and the shroud uh, all wrapped up in the script i'm sorry mm -hmm. scripture and science is all wrapped up in the shroud so very good yeah it's true <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah. um what's going on next with the shroud i know you're in, uh, involved in a couple of uh, very interesting initiatives and uh, uh so tell us what you see uh, next coming up with the shroud yeah, so through my work at the museum, I, I connected with a number of amazing people. A lot of them were the presenters. Um, I know you, I think you know all of them. But anyways, we're working on getting a permanent exhibit um, on the, about the Shroud in Washington, D.C. And we do have, thanks you to the museum, have a, a, one of the replicas that they have um, at the Catholic Information Center. So if anybody goes there, they can actually see that replica. We have posters there that you can take away that explains the different markings. Um, and that's going to be there um, 
hopefully uh, we're we're in the midst of extending it. Uh, hopefully right now, but um, it's going to be there at least hopefully through October. And we do have different events. Uh, Dr. Cheryl White, who you know, she's um, a professor at uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, and she's a curator for the exhibit that they have on the shroud there. Um, anyways, she's going to be one of the speakers at the Catholic Information Center, and then I'm hoping to have Father Spitzer back in October. So anybody in the area that, I mean, those are people you don't want to miss. They're very um, just amazing speakers, just very knowledgeable on the shroud and um you know, Father Spitzer has his own um, show on EWTN, Father Spitzer's Universe, um, and just again, both of them incredible, incredible speakers about the Shroud. So, yeah. So yeah, that's I'm... happening. Go ahead. What no, were no, say? go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Um, so yeah, we're doing that, and then we have some other through that. Um, you know, our ultimate goal is to have um, find space in DC, and um, you can go to the National Shroud of Turin Exhibit and get more information. We actually have a ton of information there if you're interested in the shroud but we're going to be at a couple of different events um our some of our team members are um world youth day in uh, portugal dr cheryl white and nor creech are going to be there uh, with father andrew dalton he's going to be having a breakout session there and um so that that's just some of the things that we have going on there's a full listing on that website national shroud of turin exhibit.org um so again uh, lots of things happening um it's going to continue continually be updated and um i would just check that out because that is a source also shroud.com which you know barry schwartz that has everything everything <laughs> shroud related too yeah absolutely uh yeah that's i got to uh meet barry uh well over the phone through shroud.com and then he and i mm -hmm. were together with uh nora creech uh, out in texas with an opening of another oh, shroud did you exhibit. go to that yeah. i did with the okay. national um, national museum of funeral history and and, yeah. uh, you know, some, you know, you go, well, how could that fit in? And you go, no, 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 the shroud represents the greatest funeral of all. Exactly. So it, it's a perfect fit out there. And they really did a, a wonderful job. And uh, mm -hmm. I think you can find out more information on that. It's nmfh.org, uh, mm -hmm. if I remember correctly, the National Museum of Funeral History in Houston. And mm -hmm. uh, really, a, just a, a great. Uh, if you're in that area, definitely go there and uh, and and get to see a, a, an incredible replica of the of the shroud as well. So yeah, um, uh, yeah so the the National Shroud of Turin Exhibit org uh, that is kind of this initiative which has the current exhibit at the Catholic Information Center. And then I think it, you mentioned that uh, you're going to have a couple of uh, very very interesting and excellent speakers on the shroud coming up. Coming, yeah, coming there, July, um, there would be Dr. Cheryl White, and then October, I'm hoping to have Father um, Spitzer there. So we're just working on all the details of that. We'll have um, some more information will be coming out shortly, probably in the next week or so for the July event. Um, so people can come, sign. you do need to register, but it is a free event, um, but um, it will be good. Yeah, fantastic. Cheryl's amazing. Yeah. yeah, well, Cheryl really is, and uh well, so I, I'm hoping I have another trip uh, coming up to D.C. in the next uh, month or two. And uh, if that's the case, then I would definitely look forward to uh, going to the, the Catholic Information Center and and then uh, definitely supporting yeah. whatever we can do with the National Shroud of Turin exhibit so that we can get that off the ground. I think that's a it's such a good cause that uh, you and I think Myra Adams and Nora Creech and I think Cheryl White is also involved. Cheryl's in it. on it, too. Yeah. So is uh, Russ. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, Joe Marino, I think all the people you know. Yeah, all the people, all the big guys. That's all fantastic. All the shoddies, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and they'll also be at, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Focus Conference Seek uh, January. In January, they have their big conference in St. Louis. And we're um, going to be having a breakout session there, too, with Father Andrew Dalton. And Nora and Cheryl will be there also to answer questions. So these are just great opportunities to, again, spread the word about the Shroud and, and really get people more interested in, in learning more about it and all yeah. the mysteries that it have. Well, that's right. And and I think it is, uh, you know, like we talked about, the Shroud is probably one of the greatest mysteries uh, that there is in the world right now. And, uh, and, mm -hmm. and, and, it, and to your point, it may actually stay that way for, for quite a long time, if, if not forever. I mean, I think it is going to stay that way. That's my own personal opinion. I think it just, it really puts at the forefront, um, the question is, you know, that whole term, who do you say that I am? And that's, for everyone to decide for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it sounds like you definitely have a lot of uh, momentum going now with the National Shroud of Turin exhibit. So uh, with those yeah. uh, couple of events, the uh, the things you're doing at the Catholic Information Center, wow, that's fantastic. Really glad to hear that. Yeah, is, yeah. Is, well, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I think, um, you know, again, I think the, everything about the Shroud, it just kind of let, it, things just happen. Um, and I, I believe you know, God has his hand in it and um, all in his time. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Fantastic. Is there anything before we close? Is there anything else you'd like to uh, mention or bring up? Um, no, I would just encourage in general people, if you have an opportunity to um, learn something about the Shroud of Turin, hear a speaker, read a book, um, read your book. Yeah, <laughs> um, thank you. <laughs> I, I would encourage people to do it because you, it will not disappoint. Um Again, it is fascinating. The more you learn about it, the more fascinated you will become. And I think that's typically um, the experience that people have um, as they kind of open up and, and listen to what what it, what what the shroud has to tell us. Yeah, about yeah. It. absolutely. And um, the shroud has has a lot to tell us, not only about uh, the shroud itself, but also about our faith. And uh, and mm -hmm. uh, and more incredible, the you know the 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 enormous price that uh, Jesus Christ uh, paid for us, and mm -hmm. uh, evidenced by uh, by the uh, by the shroud. So yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say uh, one of the things you know that historians talk about is is I think um, you know before certain points before 1356. And then after 1356, what, you know, what they can track with the shroud is. And even before that time, you know, the culture, the legends, the art showed the shroud, even though they can't, you know, track it. And I think, again, that's all to me, that's very fascinating because, you know, we don't really have concrete evidence, but it shows up in the art and, and the coins, especially. And so that, that I think speaks volumes too, but it's, it's again, it's not like we said, it's not something that can be definitely proved. And maybe that's the whole point. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's funny you bring that up. I'm in the process of writing a, a more of a scientific paper. So my book, oh. The Only Witness, is more about the uh, the shroud as a as a as a historical fiction tracing as best as possible what the history is from you know Golgotha mm -hmm. in 33 AD up till modern day now in Turin. But uh, mm -hmm. to your point, I'm putting together uh, a, as many as I can find 
uh, artworks that are pre-1356, the first real writing of when the shroud took place, of, mm-hmm. uh, of where the shroud might have been and, and the artwork that was generated that is most likely based on uh, the, the, the different components that make up the, the face and the image on the shroud. And so uh, mm-hmm. um, wow. I think through that, there's definitely a, a very good history that the shroud did exist prior to 1356 and did exist, you know, all the way uh, going back to uh, 33 AD. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure we're going to find out more about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming stay tuned <laughs> I, I do think more is coming so that's yeah for sure. yeah well one thing you know you mentioned joe marino joe and i were talking a, a couple of uh a couple of weeks ago and uh, one of the things that he said is that the interest in the shroud and the number of papers and books and and videos and whatever that and podcasts like this one has exploded over the last year or two it has really mm-hmm. really changed and um and I think that's uh, that's a good thing. The more we learn, or the more that more people learn about the shroud, the more the the more value that brings to to everybody. Yeah, I I completely agree with you, and I I don't think that's a coincidence. I think it's things you know, um, God puts things in front of you when you need them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so with that, um, Lisa, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's always great to talk to uh, people that are very knowledgeable uh, on the shroud and get their perspectives on various things. And and uh, definitely want to thank you for participating today. So where can uh, people find out more information about some of the initiatives that you have going on? Um, oh, I would go, so if all shroud related things, I would go to the National Shroud of Turin exhibit.org. That is the best source. Um, we are, we're going to be adding a few updates, um, you know, in the next week or so. Um, but that actually has, it, for people who are interested in the shroud, that actually is a great resource um, to tell us what, or to tell you what's, what we're doing with that particular entity. So, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. So National Shroud of Turin exhibit.org. Um, it's also, a mouthful, but yeah. It is a mouthful. <laughs> but once you know, once you type it in one time, then it's always in your browser and you just have to click on it. Exactly. It. So it's exactly. not that bad. But uh, the yeah. other one we mentioned as well, and I always want to uh, give a, a shout out to uh, Museum of the Bible. Museum of the Bible is just such a great resource. It has really cool stuff going on and new stuff. We talked about scripture and science, the exhibit. We talked about this uh, this uh, this play or musical that's going on with uh, the horse and the boy, if I get it right. The horse and his boy. The horse and his boy. Yeah. And the that's coming and out in June. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. And uh, um, so that's coming out in June. Um, you no, know, we always have different things going on. If you go to museumofthebible.org, um, under events, there's, uh, you know, you can see or different exhibits. You, there's lots of information. So there's always new things happening. I mean, literally, there's something going on all the time. So um, we'd love to have you there. It's it's just a great place to visit. Um, you can never just come back once. Let me just say that because there's That's always right. something more to do. And um, it, it's actually it's enormous. So you really don't want to experience it all at once. There's too much to see. I mean, you could spend several hours just on one floor. Um, but yeah, museumofthebible.org. That is um, a great a great place to visit if you're ever in the D.C. area. Absolutely. And I agree with you multiple times. Uh, if you don't live in the D.C. area, it is absolutely a bucket list item, uh, museumofthebible.org. And uh, with that, again, thank you, Lisa. And uh, to the audience, please stay tuned for many other videos in this story, in this series of the backstory on the Shroud of Turin. 
please visit guypowell.com and sign up for more episodes. And if you like this episode, please rate it with five stars. Lisa, thank you so much. Thank you, Guy. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. So glad to have you. Okay. Take care.